0: Hello again folks, it's your friend Adam. Uh, Just a heads up, for episodes 5 and 6, we used a remote recording solution that didn't quite live up to the expectations that JP and I had for it, but we had two really great guests and we didn't want to lose what they brought to the show, so we did everything we could to preserve the audio. The shows are good, 100% listenable of course, uh, just not quite the standard that JP and I would normally hold ourselves to. That said, uh, thanks for listening uh, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm JP. And I'm Adam. I've never seen Lost. I have. I'm told that it's good. I liked it.
1: I'm told that it made sense. Sort of. But we're watching it out of order. So it definitely won't make sense. But it might still be good.
0: Welcome, everybody, to Lost on Lost. I am Adam Busher, joined as always by J.P. Russell. Hello. Today, we are talking about Everybody Hates Hugo, the fourth episode of season two and the 29th episode overall. Our featured character is Hugo Hurley Reyes. Everybody Hates Hugo takes place on the 46th day after the crash of Oceanic 815. J.P. I'm ready to do the recap. Let's do it. If we
1: learned anything from the film Wall Street 2 Money Never Sleeps, it's that money never sleeps, and neither does Hurley with his duties. Unless, unless you're talking about punching in the numbers, in which case, yes, he, he does fall asleep, but not on the food that he's supposed to be taking care of what was i talking about hurley hurley is put in charge of supplies uh that were found in the hatch we explore some of his backstory and see how his past informs his current responsibility we explore more about the mysterious hatches we find out what side of the stanford prison experiment michelle rodriguez was on and john locke has a gun (laughs) ho 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 uh our guest today is kevin hire how's it going kevin
2: It's going good. How's it going with you guys?
1: Good, good. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Yeah, no, I'm really excited. This is the only show where telling someone to get lost is actually an invitation for more discussion, and I'm really (laughs) happy to be a part of it.
1: All right, so we're on episode. This is what six. So now we have to start over and introduce all of our guests like that. So we'll just we'll just start re-recording all the episodes <laughs> up to up to this point. Um, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. What? Uh, well, we we've. Sort of talked to you about you previously in our in our last episode uh, with uh, talking about
2: how, why,
1: who, why, to, to you owe money to some people in big places. Uh, no, uh, we we talked to your co host James from Trailer Hitch.
2: Sure, sure, yeah. James James is a decent guy. He's good at explaining things. But just in case you need a second opinion on what's happening with our podcast, yes, I co host a podcast called Trailer Hitch. We rate and review movie trailers. And based off of how we feel about the trailer, we then see the movie, then look at the trailer in retrospect and see how that stacked up to the movie. And if it properly sold us for the movie, I think everyone has an example where they see a movie and they go, that's not what the trailer told me this was. Uh, Whether that be, you went into a movie thinking it was going to be a Wham bam action movie, and then you got the American with George Clooney
1: or <laughs> oh, something man.
2: along those lines. And so that's kind of what our podcast is centered on: is actually looking at trailers as their own work, and then seeing how that stacks up to the movie too.
1: Nice. Uh, and you have uh, you have a writing background, uh, well, I do. and uh, you you attended a film school.
2: I, I did do all of those things. Yeah i I've been screenwriting. And bear in mind, when I say screenwriting, I mean, I've been fucking around on a computer or laptop since I was about 13 years old and did go to school for it. I did go to the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh and then moved out here. And right now I work as a script coordinator in TV writers rooms. Nice. So as for what a script coordinator is, I can actually tie this into Lost because, ah, you know, I fucking do my research for these shows. <laughs> so. Uh, in the commentary track for the pilot for Lost, there, they had an anecdote about how the character Boone used to be called Five. That used to be his original character name. Five?! And then- Five, yes. And I was about to say, all what? of the writers came together and recognized, that's stupid, and so they changed it to Boone. Okay. So what they did was they did a find and replace and final draft, which is a screenwriting software, and just changed five to Boone. Uh-oh. However, <laughs> there is a monologue in the pilot where Jack is talking about this really stressful time in his life, and he just had to count to ten. So he sat there and he was counting, one, two, three, four, boon. And then apparently everyone poked their head up during the table read and went, oh, shit. So if you want to know what a script coordinator does, I would be the person doing the find and replace and ideally making sure something like that doesn't happen.
0: Right. So your counterpart on the uh, lost pilot was fired.
2: (laughs) I hope not. They they shared that on the DVD track as like a fun little anecdote. I really hope no one got screamed at. I hope that person is doing okay. If yeah. you are out there, you should hit up this podcast, tweet at them, and let you know, oh, no, everything turned out fine. Or, nah, I got fired, and I spiraled into a deep, deep drunken depression after that. And, uh, yeah, I just feel like that would give you guys some more flavor.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm just, uh, boy... We're six episodes in, and I have not done a tenth of that amount of research. I've just kind of <laughs> yelled at lighting that's happening on the show that I have to watch for this podcast. So. JP,
2: I'm so fucking excited to hear that, though. I uh, want you to be like, this looks like a shitty CW show, and yeah. I'm I'm really here for it. Um, and for what it's worth, yeah, it's because I grew up watching Lost, so like, right when it dropped, I loved the pilot. I saw all of season one, loved it watched all of season two loved it i bought like the dvds and i watched the commentaries because i was so fascinated with it granted i did fall off somewhere in the middle of like season three and then when the finale came to be i sat down with a friend who had kept up with the show the entire time and watched it and went i'm really confused and i don't really feel satisfied but that makes sense because i didn't watch half of the show and i looked over (laughs) at my friend and she went the hell was that and so i realized that was actually just kind of a general reaction it'd be kind of interesting to hear how the finale is received now because i know like the end of the sopranos everyone yeah. shout out now people are like oh no that's genius
1: so yeah we're, we're definitely I, gonna have that conversation as we as we uh draw closer to that in a few years yeah cool cool um
2: and uh, out the lighting while you do it please
1: also i'm confused and angry is also the 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 subline for this podcast. So
2: <laughs> well yeah, because you guys are watching it out of order, aren't you?
0: Yes. Yeah. We are <laughs> we took the first three seasons, seasons one through three, I assigned them all a random number and put them into a random number generator and we are watching <laughs> them in the order it spit out.
2: <laughs> Has that led to anything awkward so far? I know you guys are only at episode six, but it's... have you already watched it from like the back half of season three?
0: We we've had one season three episode other than that the rest of our episodes have been season one or two and and the admittedly the season three episode we watched so far man behind the curtain which was i think two or three episodes ago was a bit of a nightmare
2: (laughs) okay fair enough uh, so JP, I know just because you're the one who had no background knowledge of loss before we jumped in, mental health check. How are you doing, bud?
1: Uh, it's not so much me. It's more Hulu because, you know, Hulu's trying to set me up for success and be like, oh, you want to watch the next episode, right? And I'm like, <laughs> nope, not again. Uh, and Hulu's like, you doing all right, dude? Like, I, what? What's going on? Why, why are you doing this? Um, and oddly enough, the, the one episode from season three that – we watched is one of the like four episodes of lost that i've seen before so like <laughs>
0: it's it's worked out pretty well so far okay cool cool excellent uh, let's uh, let's get into it let's talk lost yes everybody hates hugo originally aired on october 12th 2005 it was written by edward kitsis and adam horowitz and directed by alan taylor Uh, Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz are a regular writing partner. They wrote uh, quite a few episodes of Lost uh, throughout their careers, and then they went on to co-create and and become co-executive producers of Once Upon a Time.
2: Indeed, yeah, yeah. I, I know that all too well because I interviewed to be their assistants about like five years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I interviewed to be a showrunner's assistant for them and I will say they did seem like pretty nice guys. It was an awkward interview though because they kind of tried to adopt a good cop bad cop routine in the middle of their interview process and it was pretty clear that those weren't roles that were natural to them. So it was just an awkward 40 minutes but the moments when that cracked they seemed like really good dudes
1: kevin one of them or they're both of them failing to be good cop or bad cop and is an awkward 40 minutes is what you're about to buckle
0: up for right now <laughs> yeah. uh i was just scrolling through this before i got onto the alan taylor bit uh kitsis and horowitz also wrote uh tron legacy they did it, yeah so
2: there you go That came up in the interview <laughs>
0: Were you like, Tron Legacy? I love that movie. Uh, give me a job. <laughs> and they were like, uh, we forgot we wrote that
1: movie.
0: <laughs> uh, Alan Taylor, the director of this episode, uh, he's a, a very regular uh, television director. Um, he ate Directed a handful of The Sopranos. Uh, He directed a handful of Game of Thrones. He he only ended up doing one episode of Lost, but he's done a a lot of TV. Uh, And one of my favorite shows going back, um, Homicide Life on the Streets. So, uh, capable director, uh, capable writers for, uh, in my opinion, a quite enjoyable episode.
2: Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah.
0: Do you guys want to talk about the – do you want to – because I think Kevin mentioned this – or JP mentioned this – the The flashback. This is one of these episodes where the flashback and the island storyline run in parallel, and you're seeing a uh, um, a comparison between what's happening in current time uh, and how it was informed by an event in the main character's past. Um, so, I mean, we can easily discuss either one of these um, the, these uh, storylines in the episode, the flashback or the uh, the present um, present day thing. With
2: I, I will say, as someone who didn't really who like. I haven't watched the show in a really long time and we started with that uh, dream sequence. I immediately sat back and thought I forgot how weird the show could fucking get and I was really excited and then when we pulled back into the into the reality of Uh, Hurley having to hit the button I did think that that was a really good lead-in for the episode what I found interesting about the cold open was we then kind of got to in quotes the main plots with the characters who are thrown into a pit and Michelle Rodriguez is occasionally throwing them rope and (laughs) I I was a little bit thrown off by that but Ultimately, like I, I just accepted that that's because I haven't really thought about the show all that much in for you know, sure a decade. Yeah.
1: Uh, also just moving forward, can you not refer to it as the cold open and refer to it as I dream of Ginny um, because Ooh. he's um, <laughs> just that's for me. I mean I'd, I, I'd be dreaming about gin too if I you know was closer to him.
2: How, how does the chicken fit into that joke though?
1: Listen, they're not all fucking winners, Kevin. Give me a. I, <laughs> okay. I, I saw you breaking <laughs> I, stuff I, down I, analytically. I'm over here making yucks.
2: I, no, that's okay. I I just thought that you would also have an insight into "I Dream of Genie," where like, oh no, there was like a cat character or something like that, and that's who the chicken is in this scenario. I'm I also don't know a lot about "I Dream of Genie." I'm tr- I want to help you.
0: If you would like to know more about I Dream of Jeannie, please check out JP and I's uh, other podcast, uh, Eye of Dreamy Jean, where we, we watch I Dream of Jeannie in random order, which, um... <laughs> It's already been canceled.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did guest on that and I just screamed, wake up sheeple throughout. I don't think that episode ended up making it to air.
0: <laughs> so so that's the cold open. Um, so then after that, uh... what we find out about Hurley his the beginning of his non dream stuff here is that they're in the hatch. They're in the hatch. Uh, JP and I are uh, pretty unclear about what's going on with the hatch. We get a lot of uh, hatch information here throughout this episode. The, the most important thing for the story is that Hurley is been assigned a job having to do with the hatch. Um, not only is he part of the crew that's pushing the button, uh, the mysterious button with its mysterious attachment, its mysterious purpose, but Hurley has also been placed in charge of inventorying the food pantry which is a pretty important job because the survivors have been on the island now for 46 days, surviving on basically mango uh, as far as I know, shooters of vodka and <laughs> maybe a boar.
2: <laughs> do they kill the polar bear in the pilot? Maybe they maybe they got they that do. sweet bear meat too. Yeah. yeah.
0: But yeah, so the the problem that is Hur- Hurley's having with this is that it, it, it's clearly causing him a huge amount of stress. He's not into it. He's he's not having the button either. He's like asleep to, at the station. There he gets he gets like a, a talking to from Kate. Right, she's like, "Did you fall asleep with-? And it's like, God, everybody's all on this already, and it's um <laughs> nobody knows why, but they do know they got to do it, and. <laughs> Just reeks of a a lock crusade here. Yep.
2: Basically, yeah. Yeah. And specifically with Curly, it's it's just the pressure that comes with all that stuff. It's, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen if we hit zero on this. I just know it's very bad. But also, 98 minutes is not a long time. Like you can't be well rested doing it really. And then additionally, when it comes to the inventory of food, you do also get into the point of making sure that people don't Take shit, which does mm-hmm. come up later in the episode.
0: Yeah, and apparently the existence of the stuff in the hatch, the everything contained in it, has got to be some sort of secret or some sort of not not ready for distribution knowledge. Because when Hurley uh, makes his way to the beach, Charlie interrogates him a little bit, and he's very cagey with the information there. But then, if he finally slips a little, he he he's desperate for somebody to talk to. You can tell throughout this beginning here. Then he finally latches onto Rose. I'm um, seeing her wash laundry and he's like, okay, I'm, I mean, Hurley's a nice guy. We, we get that. We, we probably all like agree that Hurley's one of the nicest dudes in the island. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, they they say in this episode, you're the one person on this island that everyone likes. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, and so he sees Rose washing laundry by hand, and he's just like, "You don't have to do that anymore." And it's it starts to give him like the raises the question within him that he's going to struggle with throughout the episode. It's like, "How much can I help, and how much will I hurt with our newfound, you know, the uh, windfall of all the supplies and and resources that are in in the hatch?" So, before we get too far away from this, I I do want to go on a little bit of a side quest here.
1: So, Rose has a line um, while she's doing... Laundry, where she says to Hurley something about like, "Honey, that's your business." Which I was like, "Hell yeah, that's that's her business." She's like, "He's like, don't you want to know what's going on?" And she's like, "Nope." Yeah. <laughs> so between the 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 main body of survivors and the other group of survivors, they say that there were forty survivors with um, this. 40-something
0: with, with, uh, in the middle section, yeah. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, it's uh, around 40 survivors. Uh, so including the principal characters where we know who they are and they're all wrapped up in all this these shenanigans, there's 15 people currently of people that we on this podcast are aware of because all the time when they're on the beach there's always people just walking in the background and i'm like who are those assholes and what are they doing (laughs) and i was i i got to thinking i'm like oh are they the ones that are like constantly fishing and like getting coconuts and and distilling water and getting firewood and building shelters and then i see rose just washing some goddamn clothes and i'm like oh yeah it's nice for a named character to be pulling their weight for once because everyone else is like, ah, the hatch. Ah, ah there's a polar bear, John Locke. And then these other people are like, Hey, okay, we're going to do all the fishing, I guess. Dinner's at seven.
2: I I, I... Totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Because there is, there's a lot of just lost characters being really mean to each other and saying like, oh no, like you have to do this. Hurley, wake your ass up. Hurley, I'm stealing your fucking shampoo. Hurley, steal some goddamn peanut butter for me. And presumably there's all these other people who are just going, oh, you have plenty of fish for everyone over here. And it does hit a point where sometimes I would like to know more about those other people. And it's kind of nice because Rose seems to be a conduit to that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, segueing into that, L. Scott Caldwell, the actor who played Rose, uh, not a main character. <laughs> she was never billed as part of the main cast. She was always a guest star. Well, but I mean,
1: like, she she has a name. Because right. while they're talking, to, to, like a
0: man and a woman walk behind Hurley, and I'm like, who the fuck are these two? <laughs> like, from my standpoint, I remember thinking back, watching the show, Rose is a fairly actually important and recurring character just as important as any of the other, uh, other main cast, Um, (laughs) if not more important. And she's never billed as main cast until there's an, uh, there's an episode way, way later on. And I think maybe season six where she finally gets billed up front with the rest of the main cast. (laughs) (laughs) It was so frustrating for me throughout just thinking like, I, you know, I like Rose a lot more than probably six of the fifteen main characters. Guest actress every yeah. time, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and she she absolutely kills the performance. No, so good. I was mentioning uh, earlier about the this patch information not uh, is not for distribution or whatever. Um, Jack is the one who like brings that to our attention in the episode. He's just, like hurley uh wanders up to the hatch with rose gonna point out the washer and dryer to her and jack's like he gets all salty right away with her poor hurley just like who else did you tell it's like get off his case
2: well and also salty with rose right there it's basically oh i'm going to treat you like you aren't a part of the island even though you are also on this island you're clearly doing our fucking laundry and i feel like that should merit at least a little bit of respect yeah
1: and and that's my thing i like i understand that there's there's importance to the the computer and the numbers there's supplies there that you don't want people just like you know rushing the room there's apparently firearms around but at the same time like everyone survived a plane crash you're all in this together to be withholding the information that oh there's a shelter so you don't have to sleep on the goddamn beach you know lady with your newborn baby and elderly Mm -hmm. folk like fuck you tell him that there's
0: a place with a roof and everybody goes and crashes in there and and this just it it speaks to jack's control issues and his uh, his uh dealing out of information like he's always got to be the one in charge like he's got his fingers in every pie and it's just like these are jack's treasures to dole out now here and he's gonna decide when and and who like get bent Yeah, exactly Because Hurley has brought Rose up to the thing, uh, he he reveals to her what his job now is, and he's got to inventory and then deal with the food store. Mm -hmm. And Rose offers to help him because Rose is nice. Hurley's nice. (laughs) Two nice people doing hopefully a nice thing for the rest of them and being treated like shit the entire time.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a pantry of wholesomeness. And (laughs) the issue is because it's all wholesomeness, there are people who are trying to take advantage of it. Now, we do have Kate taking the shampoo earlier and kind of trampling poor Hurley in the meantime and Rose kind of going oh it's okay it's one bottle of shampoo and like that's that's not the end of the world and hurley gets really tense and says well Mm -hmm. yeah but that's kind of how this all starts yeah i think that's right when we go into our flashbacks with hurley where we see that he is a lottery winner and Mm -hmm. he happened to win specifically with the numbers that that you have to put into the hatch so that way it doesn't explode the island yeah um and there are a lot of people who are mean to Hurley this episode because first of all, like his mom eviscerates him like a battle rapper at the beginning.
0: It's basically just,
2: <laughs> you're fat as fuck, <laughs> you're sad, get off your ass, go. And
0: Relentlessly dunks on him. It's so good.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe that's Jesus on the phone. Hey, Jesus wants to know what kind of car you want. And it's like, God damn, mom.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Right? Like, like it's it's so mean to our buddy Hurley also at the same time, like, it tells you she must have practice at this. She must do it all the time for it to just rattle these insults off like this. I did want the phone, uh, when she picked it up, to actually just have
1: it be someone named Jesus. But, you know. (laughs) Could have been. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But... not to not to get too far into into flashbacks but even though we don't get into and and i'm pretty sure from one of the other five episodes of Lost that i've i've seen before this podcast that we see more of hurley's life after he won the lottery but like everyone already knows that story you know what i mean like we can put together yes he won the lottery and we can see how he's he's dealing with this responsibility of of um just having to guard food like he's got all of something and other people are going to want it like we don't even need Mm -hmm. to see all of that happen to understand why he's so tense about just giving the food to people
0: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i agree with that definitely
0: that's probably uh, why we don't like the episode flashback doesn't deal with like people coming up and hitting him for money it deals with it it shows us hurley's anxiety throughout just about Mm -hmm. how this responsibility is going to change his life, right? Because he he already knows what's going to happen. Like that's and we as the audience know it too, because you know it's it's a story. It's a story right. as old as stories. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: well, and. Additionally, it's it's one of those things where the entirety of the flashback isn't necessarily him dealing with the aftermath of getting the lottery. We basically just have sad DJ squalls at one point, and that's basically <laughs> all we have to indicate that this went sour for him yeah. Aside from how it's informing the actual episode itself which i thought was a really interesting choice Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah for the most part those flashbacks are it's just hurley trying to hold on to the before of this major tectonic event Mm -hmm. and i think he understands that not just the hatch but the pantry itself and knowing the food and how much that's going to mean to people is also going to be a tectonic event for the island Mm -hmm. and you know how seriously he's taking it because of that
0: Alright, so, so let's talk briefly about uh, Jack and Saeed's um, experience with the hatch.
2: Yeah, I, with, with Saeed, we just start with him whacking a door with some titanium, which <laughs> I don't – I actually missed. Do we know why he is specifically just trying to – it's like, ah, oh, well, I'll just try and blunt force my way in, or was there an actual purpose beyond that?
0: Uh, people probably do. JP and I do not know. <laughs>
2: okay that's fair that's fair i i didn't know if it was it's like oh no there is actually a specific reason why he's doing that or that's just saeed's thing like when the polar bear was shot he did also spend a couple days whacking it with a titanium pole to be like maybe i'll understand this more if i do this
1: no i i just do appreciate that everyone's like running around with all this drama and saeed's just like i'm getting to work over here i'm just gonna i'm i'm digging i'm hitting this thing with a pole like i've just i don't care what all your shit is i'm getting to
0: work over here solution oriented he is <laughs> yes exactly granted his solution is yeah whack on it with a large piece of debris from who knows where <laughs> probably Yeah, probably out of the plane who knows <laughs> but yeah he's he's trying to get into a
1: room with a, a weird uh magnetic uh field around it uh they suspect that it's some sort of geothermal power source um that's probably powering the hatch um and
0: there's a Does lot you know thermal of
2: thermal being magnetic that's the only thing i really got from that
0: no like you know, the source of the sort like heat energy from deep with it below the surface of the earth
2: okay yeah well there is also that magnetic quality though too right because jack's key kind of like whoop like flips up
0: yeah, yeah. and we don't have we don't uh have the answer to that the the, he mentions the geothermal power plant, which which he suspects powers the hatch, and yeah, he does not mention the magnetic aspect of whatever is happening that pulls Jack's key to the wall. And so, yeah, okay. I mean, like, they're they're completely in the dark here. And so, like, I understand why Saeed's trying to figure out what he's doing of uh, course, and trying to figure out what's going on behind this wall. My the thing I loved about it was the only thing he figured out was that the wall is probably eight feet thick. It's like, how did you figure that out? Just by pounding (laughs) (laughs) Just knocking on it. A little bit here, a little bit there. This this is an eight-foot wall of concrete. I can tell it it sounds different than a six-foot wall of concrete.
2: Yeah, Yeah. he measured the polar bear, and he goes, that's two feet. Waxed the polar bear and goes, that's the sound. (laughs) Two feet of barrier sounds like. So just, yeah, that times four. Okay, cool.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: He's got a tuning fork or something like that. Yeah, and so so Jack and they tr- are are trying desperately to figure out what's going on here. So they like they find a crawl space. The hatch has a crawl space, and they're underneath it. Mm-hmm. They're down there. They run into the same problem. The concrete's still eight feet thick. They hear some sort of weird noise, uh, which draws Jack away. Uh, a- and then we get a very brief Porky's style like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>
2: where Kate more or less just OU's that entire interaction instead of going, why the fuck are you here?
0: Yeah. Yeah, like she's just like fine with it. It's just, oh, whoopsie, I left you some shampoo. Get, get, get the fuck out of here, Jack.
1: Right, the whole time I'm just like, get, you little pervert, get out of the dang shower. Like, it just uh, some privacy, please. why
0: didn't he leave? Like, why wasn't he like, oh, I'll just go back the way I came, where Saeed is still waiting and gets abandoned and it's just under the the crawl space of the hatch for the rest of the episode.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the last time we see him.
1: Some say if you if you listen on a cold night,
0: you can still hear Saeed under that crawl space. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, yeah, that, uh, I think that's probably all we need to say about the hatch. Let's talk. Let's talk about the uh, question mark location on the island. Uh, if we were to zoom out of a map of the island. And zoom in on a question mark where saw, uh, Sawyer, Jin, and Michael are.
2: The only thing that we can really illuminate right now is it's a pit, and they have a little gate. Mm-hmm. And initially, Jin and Michael are let out, and Sai Cy- and Sawyer is just sort of left to rot for a bit, uh, and then eventually they throw him the rope. And he's he's not about that. He wants to know what's going on with his friends, and his friends are up top, like fucking, just take the rope, douchebag. <laughs> and then, yep, up they go, and then we have an altercation with Michelle Rodriguez. What's what's happening there, Busher?
0: She's uh, she's just not having it. She she's ex- she's exerting her authority over uh, her former prisoner. Uh, I guess still technically prisoner. Yeah, sort of. She's not putting up with uh, Sawyer's devil may care, brash cowboy attitude. She's coming at him. Cause just uh, cowboying back at him just as hard. And he's obviously not prepared to deal with that. Plus then she stomps on his gunshot wound. So. <laughs> I, I will say
2: the thing that made me laugh during this scene was when Sawyer looked up and went, if you ever touch me again, I'll kill you. And it's like, you have zero fucking power in this right. scenario,
1: dude. Right. You have
2: no leg to stand on right now. I kind and of wanted
1: her good- to punch him again,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> I did, yeah, yeah. But what was interesting was Michelle Rodriguez's character kind of recognized that too and just laughed at him and went, "All right, let's just, let's just go." Can yeah. we
1: just take a moment to appreciate that? It, d- don't look it up. Does anyone know her character name, or do is she just Michelle Rodriguez? Because she's I don't know what it is. She is the same. Character in every movie that she's ever been in, she's just like I'm. I'm tough and in jeans.
2: And see now, I'm trying to think of anything she's been in outside of Fast and Furious, and I'm having a hard time.
0: The first Resident Evil. Oh yeah, oh, she plays shit. the exact same. And she, yeah, she plays this exact same character in that movie.
2: <laughs> also, she's... Is she is she in jeans in Resident Evil though?
1: No, but it's she, a- dude, a- is that, the the damn the damn island's so hot she would have cut those into jorts weeks ago let's be real
2: <laughs> i did notice everyone was in pants or like long sleeve shirts and i went i guess it's just really breezy there i don't
0: know these these four folks over here that are uh are holding captive sawyer and Jin and michael are uh, i mean they they're looking pretty worse for the wear they're pretty banged up yeah um I don't think we get names until a little bit later we get Libby's name uh, the blonde woman played by Cynthia Watrous who I think I mentioned in a previous episode uh, mm-hmm. was in another one of my favorite TV shows Titus uh, uh, and Adewale, uh a kid uh, I'm never going to pronounce his name right um, we we, I know his name is Echo we, we don't find it out till way later but like yeah. we get we get a little bit of apology here, a little bit of like a softening of the rough edges of these four uh, mysterious folks here. Echo comes up and he apologizes um, to, to Sawyer about being so hard on putting him in a tiger pit and like, (laughs) which is nice. so you get the point that like you get the idea that it's like, okay, they have an antagonistic relationship here. These four versus our, our uh, main beach survivors. But, maybe it was just because they were scared or they were unknowns or whatever you know so it's like there's a softening of the relationship there right because when when they're talking about
1: how many survivors they have on on their side they say oh you know there's 23 of us and then they get to their their hatch or their bunker and there's just a handful of people he's like oh i thought you said there's 23 it's like well there were so that you know we know something happened so it's not Mm -hmm. just the 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 difference of oh you know this this group of survivors formed a, a civilization this way and this one formed a, a, a different way it's no
0: they've been through a drastically different scenario than our than our principal group of survivors and i remember th- I, re- I remember back in watching the show uh, originally um it was uh, that was attributed one of the major attributions of the um the difference between the second group of survivors that were first being introduced to here uh in the podcast anyway uh one of the main reasons why the middle section survivors are our, our primary group uh, fared so much better is that Jack is a physician right the, the other section we'll figure this out later but they don't they, did, they didn't have a doctor and that hurt them amongst other things did well and John Locke wasn't there um, did uh,
1: <laughs> did anyone and I call me stupid if this was the intention but did anyone else get cannibalism vibes?
2: <laughs> I did not get a cannibalism vibe, no.
1: Well, I thought when they were like, yeah, we used to have more people, come on in, check this out. I was like, oh shit, are they going to try and eat my, my sweet tenderloin boy, gin No, no, he's his muscles are too hard, you can't bite into those.
2: I'll say I did not get cannibalism vibes, which I think means that if I ever come across a, a tribe of cannibals, I will be eaten by the cannibals, because I'll be like, oh, they just seem so pleasant, and then all of a sudden, I'm Kevin Stew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they invited me over for chili it was nice
0: <laughs> we had a good time uh one other cool thing about this uh, this other storyline here with the sawyer Jin and michael is that um yeah they get taken to this hatch and so we see another hatch there there's a, a second structure on this island that's existent other than the one that the main beach uh survivors are dealing with so there's yeah. obviously some sort of mm-hmm. Interesting history there, likely having something to do with uh, with the Dharma Initiative, which JP and I have a, a, a little bit of experience with. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> indeed, indeed, and mm-hmm. well, additionally, what we know about that group of survivors is they're the back half of the plane because we have that established with uh, with Hurley talking to Rose, mm-hmm. and she says, "Oh yeah, my husband," and uh, poor Hurley just coming in with the emotional intelligence of a doorknob oh wasn't he in the back half of the plane though and rose is so sweet and just rolls it off and then we do eventually see her husband approach and say hey do you guys know a woman named rose is she okay so we do know that that's who these people are
1: that was such a sweet like that was such an emotional moment, you know, yeah. like that that actor. I was just like, oh, God, like, can you imagine what he's going through right now? He's going up. He's asking the question knowing, yeah, she's fucking toast someplace. And he gets the most miraculous news ever. And this just like this wave of emotion that washes over his face i was like wow this is some real human shit
2: and then it, and then it immediately cuts to rose's face as she because we know that she just has faith that her husband is alive but you know she's probably no, going she just got a lindor chocolate
1: husband. and a pop tart and she's like yeah. oh man that was good i didn't have to share that with <laughs> I, nobody
2: i was taking that as she was genuinely like you know, maybe my husband would also enjoy this Pop-Tart.
0: Because she's got that line. She has that line earlier when they're inventorying the things. Uh, uh, Hurley's like, you ever heard of an Apollo bar? And she's like, well, as my husband would say, candy's candy. And she's like, just happy to have candy. And that's a shared experience mm-hmm. between her and Bernard. And yeah, yeah, so that's a touchstone for her. And yeah, uh, between Sam Anderson's uh, reaction to the news from Michael and Sawyer that Rose is still alive. And then cutting back to Rose who this throughout this episode, we've seen her profess her confidence of faith that Bernard's still alive for that to pay off. Yeah. it was just like, that hit me. And yeah. As I, watched, I was like, Oh yes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't
2: say this lightly. I said, "daw" out loud as I was watching this. <laughs> I, that, did, that did hit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good moment there. And, uh, two uh, wonderful actors there, L. Scott Caldwell and Sam Anderson. Um, I I, was earlier, I was always sad that they were never really members of the main cast, because every time they come in, it's just, it's great. It's like it, after Sun and Jin, uh one of the best relationships in the show, in my opinion, is the relationship between Rose and Bernard. And they're still not put together yet, so we gotta hope that they will be soon. I'm excited for it. Will they? Won't they? They probably will. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk ever so briefly about another uh, relationship that we uh, will likely never see what happened. Uh, Hurley in the flashback ra- raises I up to ask out Starla played by Marguerite Moreau.
2: Yeah, yeah. You see them flirt a little bit and uh, it comes up that he had quit his job and she says, oh, what? Like if you quit, then like the bees will start quit making honey. And I looked back at from a 2020 perspective and was like, you can fucking buckle up there, buddy. But eventually (laughs) he does work up the courage to ask her out. And I went, oh, that's really sweet. And then I got to the end of the episode and went, what happened on the date, though? I mean, yeah. like, I get that DJ Qualls is sad, but like, what, how did that <laughs> pay out? I want to see that. I
0: was just I, like, I, Marguerite Moreau. I had a crush on her forever because she. Uh, m- most people my age would probably remember her from the Mighty Ducks, um, the, the Mighty <laughs> Ducks franchise. In fact, um, and then going on to later, uh, Wet Hot American Summer as uh, Katie and uh, and some other things too. Oh, and my I, God,
2: that's where I recognize her from.
0: I'll say, yeah. I don't know my Mighty Ducks lore that well. <laughs> uh, one of the funny things about this, uh, this will take only a moment, is that uh, in the Mighty Ducks, she plays a character named Connie Moreau. And I always think it's funny that when an actor plays a role that has the same name as their like real name, like uh, like, like, if you know uh, Matthew Fox were in a movie and you played a character called Matthew, like I always find that funny. I thought it was really funny in this that Con- uh, Marguerite Moreau plays Connie Moreau it's like the first time you've ever seen them have the same last name as the character they're playing. I just thought that was yeah, weird. yeah that was Oh weird. god, this part out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, guys, I gotta, uh, I gotta stop recording.
1: Oh man, you just split my sides with that comedy. Oh man, my sides. Oh, my guts are split. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm just having, a am having a laugh. Look, fit. I'm not oh. one of these
0: conformists that believes that all jokes oh, have to be funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs>
2: Y'all are, about as, y'all are mean to, as mean to each other As the members of Lost are to each other On the <laughs> island Like, It's okay, sometimes you whiff on a joke
1: uh, What else do we have left to talk about? Hurley has dynamite
2: <laughs> Yeah, we should really get into that uh, And I, I do agree Generally that it is kind of cool That we don't necessarily see the fallout Of uh, all the bad things That come from Hurley winning the lottery But that said him going from zero to I'm to splode the chips ahoy was <laughs> a huge jump. And maybe I did need a, just an iota more than just DJ Qualls looks sad at a gas station. <laughs> uh, I might have needed a little bit more in order to understand him going quite that far. But yeah, I mean, it does get to him trying to plant some dynamite. But then Rose, like an archangel, talks some sense into him.
0: That's a that's a super good point, Kevin, like the the consequences of winning the lottery in the flashback aren't strong enough to reinforce the decision of Hurley in the present to yeah, to just like, all right, well, fuck it, I'll blow it up.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. And again, like, I totally see the math there of like, oh, something really bad must have happened. But I should probably see that as a viewer in order to understand why, yeah, blowing everything up is the right recourse.
1: Right. It's like, yeah, there's going to be some struggles around uh, splitting everything up and making sure that everyone gets their equal share. But, like, that's infinitely easier than trying to justify the fact that, like, well, because that was going to be hard, I just blew it all up.
2: Right. I I have trouble saying no to people, ergo, I'll just blow everything up. And people are like, were there any supplies? It's like... Fucking took care of that, don't well, you yeah. worry. Yeah. Don't worry no, no. Right.
0: Yeah. The way the flashback resolves is that they they could have like Johnny could have just been mad and then they made up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See it. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's yeah. <laughs> and then sort of what's interesting is uh because there is there's a through line through this episode of Curly has a very hard time saying no to people, or basically bang being able to stick up for himself and and the end of the episode, it doesn't... It, like, he does sort of stick up for himself, but in in kind of an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that way is... Uh, Instead of rationing out all of these supplies, let's just have a big fuck you party on an island, and I'll hand the peanut butter over to Charlie.
0: Yeah, and he asserts himself to uh, Daddy Jack, who has you know <laughs> walked around the entire episode, uh, you know, being all secretive about who can know what about the hatch. And Hurley stands up for himself right there, and he's like, "No, this is you. This is my job, and so this is how we're doing it." But and then just Jack just immediately relents. He's like, oh, "Okay," he decides in that moment to be a nice guy. Yeah. Like, right. Thanks for being here, Mr. Wildly Inconsistent. I mean, excuse me, Dr. Wildly Inconsistent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yes. He, Jack is basically a dictator who occasionally is like, all right, I'll let you guys have one party. And it's, oh, gee whiz. Thanks, bud.
0: Wow. <laughs> thanks, Dad. And then the, the, result of the feast the, the the doling out of all the supplies is we get a a, a little montage here really sweet relationship moments we get to see yeah you know, charlie and claire uh, charlie bringing the peanut butter out that he was originally denied uh and we see them being adorable and then we, we see kate and jack here uh recovered from their awkward shower thing earlier and, and i've said this in previous episodes about jack only having the uh, emotional uh maturity to be uh to have a relationship with a single woman at a time like he can't, he doesn't know how to I, I, <laughs> I talk to or identify with more than one woman at a time in any sort of capacity and right now it's kate so <laughs> maybe that's she put up with his shower shit because he's th- their pally they're buddy buddy right now <laughs> so is there i i have to assume that in the the episode after this
1: so everyone got to like split up all the fun snacks and uh, delicious sweets and treats um so then after this it's going to be like a like a life aquatic thing where everyone gets a glock because like because <laughs> john Locke found the gun room are they all just gonna split those up and be like everybody okay no you two have to share one but everybody else gets a h and 3 let's go.
2: If you're a couple, you share one sniper rifle. One of you can be the spotter. Otherwise, yeah. if you're single, come on over here. We got the grenade launcher
1: section. No, yeah. early, you've got TNT. You're done. You, that, <laughs> you get to just hold on to that.
0: And Charlie, you get nunchucks because that's all we have left. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I will say, uh, to bring up the peanut butter thing, initially when Charlie was coming up to say, oh, I want peanut butter, it's for Claire. I read that as hoink and i was reading that as no i just want some peanut butter so right. i was genuinely kind of thrown off when oh no he did actually want to give the peanut butter to the child i thought charlie was just being a douche
0: just scamming just, <laughs> yeah. just trying to get get the peanut butter hook up for himself exactly Yeah, because, I mean, he's super aggro when he comes in there. He comes in Hurley hard, and it does...
2: Emotionally manipulative as fuck, yeah. Yeah,
0: and Hurley's incredibly polite rejection results in a wildly inappropriate reaction from Charlie. Absolutely, yeah.
1: Like, they've only been on this island, though, for X amount of days. He's like a rock star who's used to, like, just saying bottle of water, and one appears in his hand decapped already. So, like, him being (laughs) like, oh just let me take some of this peanut butter. And then Hurley's like, nah. And he's like, well, I don't understand how casuals live. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, any, uh, do we got any, uh, remaining notes that we want to cover before we get into the, uh, the end, uh, there's the something
1: end- with a empty bottle of wine. That's got some notes in it that didn't seem to do much of anything. Oh yeah. Yeah. We-
2: yeah it's yeah. It's, uh, it, appears as if at some point there was a message in a bottle i was reading it because we come up to sun at the end uh as everyone is having this like grand old nighttime picnic uh claire another woman whose character name i forgot because it's been like 15 years and also a dog question mark
0: it was shannon i didn't recognize her at first but it was shannon
2: okay uh and then a dog which do we know who the dog is
0: yeah, uh, Vincent Walt's mm-hmm. dog. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, okay. So it's those three approach and go. Hey bud, so we found this note, and so that probably means your boo is dead. And then they fuck <laughs> off, and that's just kind of the end of that. So we do still have like a little bit of a little yeah. bit of sour, a little bit of sad at the at the picnic. But yeah, it really didn't matter too much in the macro sense of the story.
0: Right, because it happens earlier in the episode, ever so briefly, pretty close to the beginning, that Claire is the one who discovers the bottle, um, and she pieces together that it's the notes that got put on the raft, question mark, which we, I guess we can assume that Sawyer, Jin, and Michael were on or something. Mm-hmm. Um, like, <laughs> these are the notes from the raft, that because we got these back and we don't know where they are. Yeah, it, they're, they're probably dead or whatever. Um, but that moment, I, 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 I kind of like that moment um, there, because right at the end of the episode, she... His son they, they give her the responsibility of it because her husband Jim was on, on the raft or whatever and she decides to she decides to bury it she decides not to tell everybody about it about the bottle because for whatever reason she doesn't want to spoil the feast she doesn't want to whatever but she makes that decision there and it's a pretty interesting moment of uh, executive decision making and uh, yeah that take charge attitude is just you know one more reason why I love her
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: It's about it. Uh, Yeah. Kevin, do you have any other notes that you had uh, before we get into the end of it?
2: Uh, The only thing I don't think we covered is I just wrote in all caps, surprise DJ squalls. And uh, (laughs) as, as someone who grew up watching the new guy, the uh, very forgotten film from the early two thousands, I was like, Oh, that's neat. Uh, and that was it. So, um, oh JP, what are your thoughts on DJ Squalls? Oh,
1: man. I wonder how he's doing in quarantine. Um, <laughs> I The only note that I have is that Hurley uh, needs to stop crumpling up the fucking winning lottery ticket like it's a cheeseburger wrapper. Because whatever <laughs> he's got, he just like crunches it and puts it in his pocket. And I'm like, fucking d- stop. Stop it. Like,
0: yeah like put it in your wallet or something like yeah. at least like yeah i was about to say as someone who's
2: had like receipts and stuff fall out of my pockets i i did get some residual anxiety every time you just oh nothing shoving into back pocket lean back in the car seat like dude no no nah, you gotta right, take more care
1: that's every trope is like oh i won the lottery and then the ticket blows away you know and then i've gotta like go
0: on a baby's day out adventure to go catch it <laughs> jeez That's a reach is your back okay from reaching for that reference (laughs) yes any more lumbar support (laughs) let's let's uh let's talk about some uh some lost mvp action here Uh, lost mvp is our favorite character of the episode regardless of whatever other action they may have gotten into in the past either chronologically or podcast order kevin who is your lost mvp for everybody hates hugo
2: it's it's gotta be rose like rose is just she's the bomb like we start with her she's minding her own business she's the one that gets dragged into the hatch but she doesn't have any qualms any questions she appears to be the only character on the goddamn island who can keep a secret uh (laughs) she does everything absolutely perfectly she handles all of her tasks well uh additionally when Hurley not only has the social faux pas of saying "Gee, isn't your husband dead?" and also saying "I'm going to blow up a part of the hatch," she (laughs) handles both of those incredibly gracefully. And Mm -hmm. so for me, oh, it's no question; it's got to be Rose.
0: Yeah, night. That's absolutely good. Uh, Busher lost MVP. Uh, This uh, this go around, I got to give it to Sun. Uh, She's got she's got the glow up going on when we first encounter her crisp white capris clean tank top garden out of a magazine like (laughs) double cheeked up on a thursday (laughs) (laughs) everybody else is on a deserted island with a bunch of nonsense happening his son is making it work for her for everybody i love it i love her um not only is she tending to uh, a well-kept uh and flourishing garden uh as I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, hiding the bottle, preserving the hope. I, I feel like in this situation that the survivors in, they need any hope that they can latch onto, uh, false or not. And while it may come back to bite them in the end, possibly not knowing about the the notes, not knowing about the uh, the the raft's outcome uh, or the raft's status. Um, in this moment, I, th- I I think it was the right thing to do. So yeah, Sun's got to be the MVP, uh, is the MVP for me. Yeah. Uh, JP what do you think um, a character with
1: very little screen time but I believe is gonna have a lot of impact uh, as the show goes on um, the cashier at the gas station that sold Hurley the lottery ticket this guy <laughs> remembers the numbers and face of everyone that he sold a lottery <laughs> ticket to um, yeah. this guy has such skills that he could you know if he applies himself a little bit he can get them off this island uh because uh cor- now, correct me if i'm wrong you would not
0: take a lottery ticket like that back to the gas station you take it to the lottery office right yeah you'd have to go to like whatever the state lottery officers that with a uh, winnings of that size like yeah you can't just go cashed in at a seven yeah, but, so <laughs> this guy
1: looks down as he's handing the number over memorizes the numbers hands it to hurley commits to me- remembering his face and then can spot him across a dark parking
0: lot sitting in a car. dude. He's Batman. It's fucking Batman. A a gas station in LA, which probably sees thousands of people on any given day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, let's move on to Lost Forever. So this was your least favorite character of the episode. Kevin, we'll start with you.
2: You know, he like semi-redeems himself like right at the end uh, because again... He did have a legitimate reason for that peanut butter. But yo, Charlie is such a dick in this episode. I was so put off by how, like, prickish he was. And bear in mind, it's not, hey, I need baby formula. There isn't, like, a really clear and immediate need. He's asking for fucking jiffy, man. And he goes off on Hurley and more or less threatens to sever the friendship. And in addition to that, Um, there was like this really huge air of entitlement when he went up to talk to Locke and he said, I demand to know what's going on with this specific part of the island. And like, as of right now, because I kind of like you guys, I'm out of order on this too. I don't really know if he's earned that entitlement or not, but that entitlement plus being a dick about Jiffy, that's lost forever as far as I'm concerned.
1: That's... No very doubt. valid
0: yeah uh busher lost forever uh this one is a very simple simple answer for me it is uh michelle rodriguez ana lucia oh. and simply because she's mean that's <laughs> no further explanation she's just so mean to everybody in her career as an actress uh all the characters she plays she's always mean and she's yeah. specifically mean to uh hot gin and michael <laughs> and sawyer and I, I i that was enough for me yeah. I don't you. Lost forever. Get out Absolutely. of my house. Absolutely. <laughs> what about you, JP? Take a fucking guess, it's Claire.
1: Um, <laughs> are you kidding me? You're given a jar of peanut butter and you just start digging into it with your fucking fingers and shoving peanut butter in your maw like that? Well, I guess no one else wants some. Your goddamn booger hooks have been stuck in that thing. I don't suppose you washed your hands beforehand? Of course not.
0: Uh, Oh my God! Claire's gonna end up being your loss forever every time, even for episodes she's not in. <laughs> well, I'm. She listen. She had
1: ten seconds on screen where she had to not fuck something up, and she managed to just absolutely just uh, ruin the episode for me. Uh, it, I, I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, but she's just ugh, goddamn Claire.
0: <laughs> oh god let's do uh let's do a burning question if you got one kevin a burning question is your favorite question that was episode uh, raised in this episode that was not answered and that you hope gets answered in another episode
2: what happened with the date <laughs> I, I was so perturbed because like, presumably that means things went as bad with her as with dj squalls and i yeah like that that's a burning question and i also have a one A. Uh, To my answer, uh, a sub-burning question, which, again, I was very thrown off by the dog, who I now know as Vincent. Thank you very much, Adam, for that. Uh, Now, here's the deal. I know through popular media that if trained, a dog can play basketball. As such, why can't they train Vincent to also push the button every 108 minutes?
0: You know, there's nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't use a computer. That's true.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at.
1: That's very true
0: oh my god uh jp what about you do you have a burning question
1: um a couple um uh i'd love to know more about what saeed was doing or what what he finds with that uh that power source um i believe Locke mentioned someone that was in the hatch when they discovered it uh we on this podcast have not encountered that yet so i'd love to know more about that um and when uh, Hugo's former boss is going to learn the error of his ways because Hugo's worked there for a long time and he had a temporary name tag uh, <laughs> with a sticker on <laughs> yeah. it, and that is not how you build associate loyalty. So like, <laughs> I just I, I wonder when
0: he's going to have a character arc. Um, I I had one, uh, but it's kind of a kind of a weak burning question because I know for sure it get gets answered, but I uh, am very excited to see how. Sawyer, Jin, and Michael ended up crossing paths with the tail section oh, for sure, yeah. Sure. Uh, but I do know that that does get answered, but I'm just excited to see what happens there. Um, final question, uh, did we like it? JP, did you like it? Yeah, I As- liked this one a lot. This one was good. Kevin?
2: I did like it, but now I do have to go back to you, JP, because I was promised a lot of dope lighting burns throughout the oh, entire episode. The, How the, was lighting, the lighting, JP? The lighting, oh
1: man, the lighting has been kind of flat, to be real. I mean, the stuff where they do, like, in the hatch or they do, um, you know, the stuff with Saeed and Jack like, in the, in the, like, little crawl space, like, they can do some fun stuff with that, but, like, a lot of the outdoor stuff is pretty uninspired the lighting on on hurley when he had just quit his job and he's sitting out uh leaning against his car with his friend like they they sat him under a tree but it wasn't open shade so there's like still direct sunlight coming onto the front side of his face and i'm like y'all didn't have like a four by four you could have like tossed above him or something like that like come on man um there was i don't know i think there was more shots out of focus again in this this episode just like little wait, that that's a reoccurring thing is that the the ac sucks yeah <laughs> you get getting used to shit being out of focus so you're not noticing it as much <laughs> yeah let me see i wrote the word skis bucket i don't know what that was meant uh <laughs> my not notes. A oh no that's that was jack was being a skis bucket not getting out of the bathroom when
0: kate was showering let's do another quick plug here kevin
2: yeah 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 i can do uh quick plug um by the way in terms of the episode itself uh on a scale of one to boon i will give this a four i, I thought this one was pretty solid
0: Goddamn uh, so yeah so uh so yeah kevin thank you so much for uh coming on the show you have you have your own show let's let's talk about it again uh when it uh, when it airs and uh where people can find it
2: Yeah, of course. So I am on Trailer Hitch. You can find us through Stitcher. You can find us through Apple podcasts. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Trailer Hitch pod. We also have an Instagram at Trailer Hitch podcast. You can also search Trailer Hitch podcast on Facebook and on YouTube. You can find all of our content there. Uh, We drop an episode every two weeks. And I've had this discussion so many times. Is that biweekly or does biweekly means twice a week?
1: They both can mean both. Yeah, they're both. It's so fucking
0: weird.
2: Okay, so we we post bi-weekly, but with the, the one with more space, that's the bi-weekly we're talking about here, uh, and we drop episodes. Uh, usually, it they'll come on fr- uh, sometime around Monday morning. So, yeah, we okay. have, I think, about 98 episodes now, so you got plenty to catch up on. Y'all should head on over.
0: Sounds good. Absolutely. Absolutely. wildly entertaining show. Uh, and Kevin, you were a phenomenal guest. We'll definitely have you back if you'd uh, like to come back.
2: I would love to. Thank you so much. I had such a great time, guys.
0: Perfect. <sighs> and for the audience at home, if you're trying to be lost with us, uh, check out our next episode. We will be watching season two, episode fourteen. One of them.
1: Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening to this episode of Lost on Lost. I'm Adam.
0: I'm JP. Do you have I'm
1: any?
0: Do you have any idea what's going on in this show? Nope. Me neither. <laughs> Lost on Lost is produced and edited
1: by Adam Busher and J.P. Russell. Recorded on location in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Los Angeles, California. Our show is hosted at Podbean. Find us there or wherever you find your podcast. Thanks to Danny Schmitz of Lost in a Name for our theme music.
0: Lostpedia and the community of contributors there. Random.org for creating the watch order. Check out our Facebook page, Lost on Lost or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Lost on Lost 1. Don't follow those jerks at Lost on Lost 2. You can also email us at wearelostonlost at g- Email.com. If you like what we're getting into here, buy us a coffee at coffee.com slash we are lost on lost.
1: That's ko-fi.com slash we are lost on lost.